is Leah Aroni with another episode of News from the Torah. Today is the 19th day of the Hebrew month of ER, May 10th, 2023, and this week we're reading the Torah portion of Bihar. Now, literally, as I am recording this episode, Jihad, the Islamic Jihad out of Aza is shelling Jewish cities from Zderot to Ashkelon to Ashdod to Bnei Brak and as far north as Tel Aviv. Workers in the Tel Aviv Azraeli Tower is probably the symbol of Israel's business center, are huddling in staircases trying to keep safe as the jihad is shelling millions of Israelis. Now, this wave of violence started yesterday after, thankfully, the IDF surgically struck a building in Gaza, killing three heads of the Islamic Jihad, people who are responsible for the slaughter of Tali Khatuel and her four little children, her four little daughters, as well as her unborn baby 19 years ago. 19 years ago, Tali, with her children, was traveling from Gush Katif to um, her family, and she was gunned down together with the four little girls by jihad terrorists. And yesterday, 19 years later, the people responsible for the death of these five Jewish souls, actually six Jewish souls, finally um, found justice and were killed. But I'm sure that if you're listening to the news around the world, and if you heard about this attack, what you heard about were the lives of uh, next-door neighbors, a Palestinian doctor, head of a hospital, his wife and son, and the um, damage to human life that is caused by the IDF. Of course, this is not true. The IDF is extremely precise and careful in its targets, in choosing its targets, in striking its targets, in preventing so-called collateral damage, in preserving the lives of innocent civilians. Um, And having said that, this week's Torah portion is actually a window into how we perceive community responsibility. We have um, a Jewish concept of and the evil person is going to find strife in life and so will his neighbor. A good person will find pleasure and goodness in life and so will his neighbor. We in Judaism believe in communal responsibilities for better and for worse. We do not believe in individualism where each person is on his or her own and has no responsibility for what goes on next to him or her. If that doctor head of a hospital was living next to jihad terrorists, that's part of his responsibility. And this comes out very strongly in this week's story portion which is all about taking responsibility for yourself, your loved ones, your near ones, and your community. We do not believe that each person stands on his or her own, and we certainly don't believe in collective punishment. 
we do believe that people, nations, chart a course for themselves. And then once a whole nation charts a course for itself, that that nation pays a price as a whole. Yes, each separate individual may or may not support the policy of that nation, but nations have a life of their own. They have paths of their own. They make decisions together and they bear responsibility together. And so when the people of Gaza continue to support the Hamas leadership that has been lording over it for the past 15, actually 20, almost 20 years now, and when most Palestinian children are taught to hate Jews, when Palestinians are taught and are teaching their children to hate Jews, when the majority of Palestinians support terrorism against Jews, nobody in Gaza can claim to be an innocent bystander. And the same happens for the good. In this week's Torah portion, we are actually learning about the life of the Jewish people in the land of Israel. On Mount Sinai, God tells the Jewish people, when you walk into the land of Israel, this is what your life is going to look like. There is no point in Mount Sinai. There is no point in giving the Jewish people the Torah. If it doesn't lead you to the land of Israel, the whole point of the Torah is to lead you to the land of Israel. And this is why on Mount Sinai, God charts the course for the Jewish people of what's going to happen when you come to the land of Israel. Standing on Mount Sinai, Moshe is looking at the land of Israel. This is where all roads lead. You cannot live a full-bodied Jewish lifestyle outside of the land of Israel. And when we come into the land of Israel, our connection to the physical land is the first thing that is being accentuated by the Torah. The laws of Shemitah, of sabbatical year, of working the land for six years and letting in rest for the seventh, of making sure that we take good care of this land so that it continues to take care, good care of us is the starting point. And then the Jubilee year. After seven cycles of seven sabbatical years, we have the Jubilee year. And then the Torah goes off onto a very interesting um, tangent. And it talks about a person who, uh, people who come into all kinds of difficult situations. For example, a person who needs to sell his land because he has fallen on bad financial times. And actually the Torah tells us that it's only when somebody is in dire financial straits that he can sell the land, the portion, the estate that he has gotten from his father and his grandfather. As you may know, the land of Israel was divided between tribes and then each tribe subdivided its land between different families. And then every family had an estate that belonged to that family forever and any sale of land was only until the next jubilee year when it would return to its rightful owners from time immemorial but a person could sell his land only if he fell on dire financial times so this person sells land and then there are laws of what 
he can or cannot do when he sells the land. And then there's a story of a person who sells his house. And then we are commanded to give loans to our brethren who have financial difficulties and not to charge them interest. And then the laws of a person who sells himself into servitude um, because he is just so down on his luck. And what our commentators tell us is that actually this story is a story of one person. It's one person who loses a connection to the land, who possibly is not observing Shemitah, who is not observing the sabbatical, who then is forced to sell the land because the land cannot stand having somebody on it who is not respecting it, who is not giving it the time, who is not taking good care of it, and who is not acknowledging that everything that we get from the land is a gift from God, which is what we do when we celebrate the sabbatical year. So this person is forced to sell the land, and after he sells the land, he continues down the negative cycle, and he sells his house, and then he has to take out loans, you know, he's further and further down the spiral. And then finally he hits rock bottom and he has to self himself into servitude and lose his personal freedom because um, he is just not in a good place financially. But what the Torah tells us is this financial downfall is a reflection of a spiritual downfall. Now, I want to make it very clear that I'm not saying that people who are poor, people who are losing their money are how somehow spiritually deficient. This is not what I'm saying. But this is a point from the Torah, that the Torah in this particular portion gives us this um, negative financial spiral as an example of also a spiritual spiral. And how do we know that? The people who are listed as the ones charged with buying this person out of servitude start with this person's brother. In Judaism, we believe that charity starts at home and your greatest responsibility is to the people who are closest to you. So the person's brother is responsible for buying him out of servitude. And actually, the last option that is presented by the Torah is that this person buys himself out of servitude. So that's very interesting. The two questions. First of all, why isn't the person listed first? You would think that he's responsible for his own freedom and he should be the first, most responsible person for pulling himself out. And the other thing that's missing is where's this guy's father? A father is certainly a closer uh, figure than a brother. So the two answers to this. First of all, this person is falling into this negative spiral because he is cut off from his father, not only his physical father, but from his father in heaven. And so this downward spiral is a representation of a personal spiral where a person loses his assets, loses his home, loses his financial stability, and then finally loses his personal freedom. Now, this could be a metaphor for many kinds of different spirals. Spirals in relationships, spirals in substance abuse, substance um, spirals in um, social standing. But in the end, a person loses freedom to choose over himself. And this is what happens very often when we spiral down. We just lose our 
free choice. So by being cut off from our Father in Heaven, by being cut off from spirituality, by being cut off from the Torah, we become susceptible to these spirals. So then the question is, why isn't this person listed first as the one who should be buying himself out of slavery? Because we have a very strong principle in the Talmud that says, in a that a prisoner cannot free himself from prison. A person may develop an awareness that he or she is in toxic relationship, but they will usually need outside assistance to get out of the toxic relationship or to heal the toxic relationship. Uh, a person can fall on hard financial times and they may be aware of it, but they will usually need outside assistance to create a new lifestyle for themselves and possibly alone to get back on their feet. We cannot get ourselves out of the situations we got ourselves into. We usually need outside help. And this is why this whole Torah portion is a reflection on community responsibility. It tells us that we are responsible for each other, for better or for worse. If our neighbor is losing his home, that's our responsibility. If our neighbors are not getting together, not getting along, obviously in a very um, in a very gentle way and not in any kind of nosy way, we have to be there to help them, to support them through the difficult time that they're going through. People are not self-sufficient. People are not standalone units. We live in communities. We live in groups. People are group team individuals. We're team species. And certainly the Jewish people is a team species. And Judaism is a team sport, not an individual sport. And I think this is such an important reflection on the times we're living in. First of all, yesterday on Lagba Omer, Almost 100,000 people went up on Mount Miron to celebrate the life of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and the Torah of Kabbalah, which we discussed on the last episode. And my friends who were there told me that the best feeling, the greatest feeling there was how everybody was united. People came from so many different walks of life. But on Miron, 100,000 people celebrated yesterday in total unity and love. And today, as uh, residents of Zderot and some of the southern towns of Israel are uh, leaving homes and finding refuge in other parts of the country, there's an outpouring of support and offers of other people really willing and happy to take in these families and from previous times, we actually know that there are many, many, many more offers of people wanting to take in families than their requests of families who want to be taken in. I'm following this on some of the Facebook groups, and I think for every request of a family that wants to be hosted, there are four or five offers of families willing to take somebody in. And this is such a beautiful thing. I posted yes today for newly uh, arriving Russian-speaking families who live in southern Israel that there is this option of leaving their town that is being shelled and going to another part of the country to be hosted by a different family. And then as I was writing this ad for people to sign up, I had to remind myself 
to explain that this is a dumb thing in Israel, that people really leave their home and go to stay by strangers, and it's a dumb thing, and nobody in Israel bats an eyelash. It happens almost every year, unfortunately. So this community responsibility plays both ways. And I think it is so uh, significant that this additional round of fighting with Gaza terrorists is happening on Parshat Bihar, on the Parsha when God tells the Jewish people, look at the land of Israel, this is where you're going, and this is what your life is going to look like. This land belongs to you. And here from Har Sinai, from Mount Sinai, as I'm giving down the Torah, my will to the word, I'm telling you that you have a bond with the land of Israel. And no matter how much the terrorists in Gaza or in Ramallah or in Iran or in Syria want to cut us out of this land, no matter how much they think that one day they will push us into the sea, it will not happen because we have a promise from God that this land will belong to the people of Israel was a detailed description of how the Jewish people will implement their right to the land of Israel in the land of Israel. This is actually what this entire Torah portion is about. And the other thing we learn in this Torah portion is that there is community responsibility, that we Jews are responsible for each other. We have to look out for each other in difficult situations like today but also that our enemies are also responsible and they bear community responsibility for the actions that they perpetuate. So they should stop this baloney with innocent bystanders. Nobody in Gaza is an innocent bystander. Every single person in Gaza and in Ramallah is a part of a hideous, regime that is trying to wipe up the Jewish people. And if you don't want that, if you don't want your regime to wipe up the Jewish people, when they look to Iran, look at the acts of resistance of the Iranian people. The Iranian regime is certainly just as hideous as the Hamas regime in Gaza, but the Iranian people are finding in their hearts the freedom to stand up to their regime. Where is the standing up to the regime in Gaza? Where are the people opposing the regime? Where are the people opposing the shelling of Tel Aviv? If you don't oppose, you are an accomplice to it and you're certainly not an innocent bystander. And so with this, I ask each and every one of you to take a few moments after this show to pray for the safety and well-being of Israeli citizens throughout Israel in Zderot and in Tel Aviv. And unfortunately, we're finding these rounds of violence come by about every year or every few months. And I really, really wish that this time around, our leaders find the courage to get the job done, to return resilience to Israel, to make sure that our enemies understand that they cannot barrage us with shells, that there's going to be a price to pay and such a high price that they will not consider doing that again. I don't have very high hopes that the Israeli government will really put its foot down, but I have this little prayer in my heart and I hope you join me in this prayer. 
So with this, I'm going to sign off here from the Jerusalem Hills. And next week, Wednesday, is actually, we will be getting ready to celebrate Jerusalem Day, the day that the um, old city of Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria were liberated during the Six-Day War. There's going to be a huge parade in Jerusalem on Thursday, which is the flag march. And I hope to be talking about that next week. So please join me next week on Wednesday. And with this, I'm signing off for this show. It was a pleasure having you with me, Leah Roney, with the news from the Torah. Bye-bye.